Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. This is Rivalries, a series where we speak to fans and reporters of rival clubs. On this episode, we're joined by Reuters sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan Ian Axon. I started off by asking him what Villa fans should expect from Palace this weekend. Oh, given Palace's form and uh, the fact they seem to, to, you know, be on the beach as soon as um, they're safe from uh, relegation, I think you could expect a, a three-nil win to the Villa. <laughs> Obviously, um, we think of Crystal Palace in the sense of Wilfred Zaha being their main man, the danger man. Um, Ten goals he's got this season. Uh, but is there anybody else that Aston Villa should be looking out for who might potentially cause them problems on Sunday? Well, Palace, are, we're we're a strange team because you, you look at us on paper. And there's a, you know, it's a, it's a great squad. And I always kind of hark back to this is now, I think, our ninth season in the, in the Premier League. But when, when we came up, if you, you know, if you look at the squad now compared to when we came up and even a few seasons ago, we've got almost proven internationals in every position. Mm. And you do think that they should probably be delivering a little bit more than they, they have done. Um, but Hodgson, I think he just seems to be very, very pragmatic. Now, the, the, the sense is to try and keep us up every season. You know, we, we beat the sides generally down the bottom or around us and have a decent win against one of the top six seemingly every season. And that's enough to keep us up. I think uh, individual players to look out for, um, Eze, uh, the new Zaha, uh, mm. scored a fantastic goal against um, Sheffield United last week. Mm. You know, and looks, I don't think he's, he's not been kind of the main man this season, but in, in bursts, he's looked like the future and a possible replacement for Zaha if Zaha goes, you know, steps up into that more talismanic role. Um, and of course, uh, Mr. Benteke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got quite a bit to ask about Benteke because I know Villa fans, uh, we, we, yeah. we look on him with somewhat, um, you know, romantic eyes, I guess, after his spell with us. But, um, you know, uh, Eze himself, I mean, that was quite a coup for you. So he's, he's, he's really come on this season, has he? Yeah, I think so. He, he, he looks a great player. And I think it does take a while, doesn't it, to, to make that step up into the Premier League from when you've been playing Championship and mm-hmm. to get that consistency there. Um, but he scored some great goals. Yeah. And he, you know, almost game by game, you can see him growing. And we've got some good, you know, Tyreek Mitchell as well, been um, playing at the back, looks a good player as well. So that there are, you know, a few talents there. I know our, you know, our academy um, is full of talent and we've got a history of bringing, you know, good young players through. So you hope, uh, I, I would imagine that Hodgson may leave in the summer. I don't think too many Palace fans will be that disappointed. Um, talk with Frank Lampard or Eddie Howe mm. uh, coming in. I think if we do get a good young manager, you know, can potentially bring those players through and there is a, you know, a, a good platform there. Uh, but the, I think the worry in the Premier League is that the, if you're not in that top six, it's almost Russian roulette for the, the other 14. At some point, you're going to get relegated as you know Villa found out a couple of seasons ago mm. um, and a bad start to the season or a, a few injuries where you don't make the right signings and suddenly you know you're in in the mix down at the bottom and it can be tough to get out obviously a player I have to ask about is Wilfred Zaha um how good is Wilfred Zaha are you surprised he's not at like a top four club I know he was at Manchester United for a while but are you surprised he never kind of got taken away from Palace because he's he seemingly every summer he seems to be linked with someone first of all he's a, he's a loyal guy and Palace is a, a good club to play at if you're a, a loyal type good fan base you know he's he's a hero to the fans and I think that has probably kept him at the club 
I think maybe the problem that he suffers is that he's not quite good enough to get into the first 11 of a top four, top six club. He'd be knocking on the door and with a, you know, with, with a fair wind, he may well be in that 11. But I don't know if you could you know, 100% guarantee it. And I guess it's a, maybe Grealish will have the same problem. Do you want to go to a bigger club and potentially sit on the bench for half the season? Or you know, if you have a couple of bad games at these big clubs, there's a you know a like for like replacement who can step in and take your place and it's very difficult to back, get back in the team whereas at palace you know zaha is always going to be first name on the team sheet i guess very much like grealish at, at villa so i suppose for for those players they have to decide you know whether they want you know to play 90 minutes every week or potentially be part of a bigger squad and be playing at a, a much higher level i think with zaha that you know maybe he, from from a palace point of view it's great that he stayed was he 27, 28 now? Mm. So it's a, you know, a, an ever-shortening window. He's always seemed to be a young player who would stay with Palace for a bit, then make that move mm. you know, and have his best years at another club. But now suddenly you're beginning to think, well, maybe his best years have been at Palace. I mean, he is a, from what I've seen of him, he is a fantastic um, talent. Uh, and something I've, I've thought about Zaha before is that he got signed by Manchester United when Alex Ferguson was in charge. But then as soon as he turned up at United, Ferguson retired. And I sometimes think, is there a sliding doors moment there? Like if Ferguson had stayed, would he have been that special manager to have got something out of Zaha where we would have been like, oh, he really is good enough for the, these Manchester United or cities of the world. But, you know... It's also extremely patronising when people talk to Villa and Palace fans about Grealish and Zaha and should they be in these top clubs and whatever. You know, um, at the same time, being at a club like Palace and Villa is a great thing as well. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, but also, something I wanted to ask you about, when you look at Aston Villa, what do you kind of identify as our threats and our danger men turning up at Selhurst Park? I think, you know, a lot runs through Grealish, doesn't it? I think, um, looking back to last season, he... I think, uh, was it a 1 0 win to Palace? But there was a, a last minute equaliser. Oh, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't go there, Frank. Oh, <laughs> when people talk to us about Hawkeye at Sheffield United, and I always refer back to that goal at Palace, that that point that we gained at Sheffield United for Hawkeye, we lost from Palace because of the most absurd refereeing decision I've ever seen. But you know, anyway, as you were saying about Villa. Well, you know, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? I do think with the VAR, it probably evens itself out over the season. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, it, it hurts, doesn't it, when it when it happens to you? And you know that that sort of horrible feeling on a Saturday when you you know you think you're going to get something out of a game and you go to bed and yeah. it's another three points that you've not got. Um, I, I like Villa's organisation though. Mm. Um, I've been really impressed with them since they they came up because I thought they might be another yo-yo club, really, a bit like Fulham or, or West Brom. Mm. Um, but they've certainly kicked on from from last season. I, th- I think once you get over that first season in the in the Premier League. You can uh, you can kick on and you bring a few signings in and you're used to the level that you're playing at. Yeah, um, but I, I think an all-round impressive side actually. I don't think there's sort of too many individuals that um, have caught the eye Grealish apart, but they 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 just look a, a solid, well-organized side. They've mm. obviously got you know, with the manager. I think there's something about them, isn't there? They the spirit is good there. See, so, yeah, I like them. Yeah, I think uh, that's why I went so berserk when Grealish scored that goal against West Ham on the last day of the season last year because. It was a sense of like Villa were on. You could feel like the the makings of a solid Premier League team if we could just stay up. And um, that goal was like, we've done it. And now we can establish ourselves in the Premier League because the alternative was, if we don't score that goal, if Grealish doesn't score that goal, 
Grealish is off, you know, he's not staying in the championship. Some of these players who are starting to really come into their own, like Esri Konza, you start to wonder, is he going to go? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, for, for, for Villa, I think if I was a Palace fan, I'd also be quite concerned about Ollie Watkins. Um, last, we played Everton um, just recently, drew 0-0 at home. And uh, Ollie Watkins, it was the first game he missed this season. And you could really see how much we missed him. His movement, um, his finishing, he's... He's really developing into an exceptional Premier League striker now. I think he's. I think next season will be very interesting to watch him. And um, if he can perform against Palace, I'm kind of hopeful um, we might be able to get something. Well, I was going to say he's the kind of guy that once you know when when you stay up and then you add a player like that to your squad, you can see the squad you know beginning to evolve. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's been the same for Palace that you look at the squad from from when, you know we had a Championship squad when we our first season in the Premier League survived just about. But then each season you bring in a player here, a player there, mm. and the evolution of the squad, you know, takes you to a very different level over a, a period of years in the in the Premier League. Now, talk about Ollie Watkins, our striker. We have briefly mentioned Crystal Palace's striker, Christian Benteke. Now, the last Villa do not have a good record at Selhurst Park. It's a it's a great great sort of old school stadium. Fans are really, you know, um, yeah, electric. Um, the last time Villa won at Selhurst Park, and I think the only time we've won this millennium, was uh, in 2014. We won 1-0, and Christian Benteke himself got the goal. <laughs> now, I'm going to read you a couple of stats about Benteke. In his debut season at Villa, aged 21, he scored 19 Premier League goals. 19 in your debut season at 21 in the Premier League. It's, it's incredible, that was. Um, he followed that up with 10 in 26 the season after, 13 in 29 after that. He was a sensation. He delayed our relegation for years. And at Villa, I think we still have a lot of affection for him. And some fans even want to see him back at the club. Now, when he joined Palace 2016-17, he scored 15 Premier League goals. And I remember thinking, like, all right, he's, after a couple of years at Liverpool, he's back at it. But since then, he's scored three, one and two. Now, I've got to ask you, what has happened to Christian Benteke? That's a, I think the $64,000 question. He has got eight this season, though. Yeah. Um, and we've seen a sort of this season a gradual return to something like the Benteke that we knew. But he just seemed to lose all confidence, mm. which was astonishing, really. Because, as you say, if he'd have come to the club and, and been rubbish from the start, you could perhaps understand that, that, you know, the Liverpool experience had scarred him or he you know, just wasn't kind of clicking for him at Palace. Um, but having had that really good season, yeah, the sort of a, a d- diminishing returns. And it was hard to pinpoint why, really. He just seemed to lose all confidence. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's partly the, the playing style, but then you look at the, you know, some of the players that we've, we've had playing around him, you know, um, you know, very, very, very good players, you know, good service from Zaha. Mm. Um, and he could easily have had double the amount of goals this season, I think. He gets in good positions. It, something just not quite clicking, really. There was a against Sheffield United. He, I know he, he scored with a deflected shot. We had a, a, a good header saved, but it looked easier to score the header than you know for it to be saved. But it just didn't. You know, there's something there not quite clicking even even now. Even though we are seeing a bit of return to form, mm. um, but he, you know, he's keeping some good players out of the side though as well. So Hodgson's obviously got faith in him. We don't score a lot of goals, which probably doesn't help. I think. You know, consistently over the last two or three seasons, we have been um, one of the lower scorers in the league. Um, and that has been backed up by the fact that we don't concede many goals. We haven't done 
in previous seasons, but this season they've been very, very leaky in the back and have been hammered a few times as well. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, potentially part of the setup. Um, he was injured for a bit as well and just seemed to lose confidence. So mm. I remember the one game I went to in his first season of Villa um, was when we beat Sunderland six one at home, uh, and I remember watching him and. At age 21, I remember looking at him and thinking, like, this is a guy who can go on and do whatever the hell he wants in football because his hold at play was brilliant. He was really intelligent, like the way he would bring other players into the game. Defenders just didn't like playing him. And his finishing, like, he could just finish seemingly yeah. from wherever. Um, and he'd get in for the box for headers and everything. The whole, everything was there. Um, so well, look, see- it's a bit of a stereotype, isn't it, that you, you sort of think of him as being a big, powerful you know, guy in the air, he scores a lot of goals from header. But I remember, um, you know, we went to Chelsea three or four seasons ago. We needed to win. We were sort of being sucked into the relegation scrap. Mm. And we won 2-1. And he scored a, you know, really, really skillful goal. Yeah. And he's a, he's a, you know, he's not only a powerful player, but he's a really skillful player as well. Yeah, very skillful. Yeah, as, I mean, as I was saying, he had a, he, he was very intelligent at bringing other players into the game, which is why I just thought at the time when he was at Villa, I thought, I can see this guy going on to wherever he wants. Um, so, but one warning sign I remember from Villa was that there was a streak in his second season that maybe was seven or eight games where he wasn't scoring. And when he wasn't scoring, he looked absolutely abject at times. Um, and that to me struck me as potentially a confidence um, issue. But at that age, yeah. you, ex- you expect that, you know, you're younger, you're developing as a player. But um, it, has been, it has been surprising to see him struggle these last few years, I think, just from the outside. Um, but uh, as you say, he's got eight and twenty-eight this season. Let's hope he doesn't add to it <laughs> against the Villa. I was going to say he's, he's a dilemma now for, for for Palace fans, and I suppose Palace management, because he's probably done enough to warrant uh, being kept on next season. Or, you know, last season a lot of Palace fans you know wanted to get rid of him and, and bring someone else in, but he's probably done enough to, as I say, keep his place in the side. So do you stick with him and think you know maybe back him to come good, or that you're always going to get? eight or 10 goals out of him per season? Or do you try and bring you know, someone else in? Mm. 30 now as well. So I don't yeah. know how yeah. much, you know, maybe another season or two left. God, it's scary that he's 30. I just remember him being 21. And I mean, as yeah. I say, he delayed Aston Villa's relegation by about three years because we were in desperate straits at that point. Terrible teams. And he was just a, a lightning strike in that era for yeah. us. He was brilliant. But, you know... Um, Palace Villa, uh, it's a game that will happen next season in the Premier League. Um, before, you know, well, now you're a very established team in the Premier League, Crystal Palace. Uh, I think you've been in there seven, eight years oh, now. Longer than that. I think it might be nine. Nine, yeah. And, Certainly, um, yeah, getting on for a decade, really. I mean, it's an incredible achievement considering that, you know, all the time I grew up, I remember Palace being a team that um, would yo-yo a bit or they'd yeah. struggle quite badly in the championship. But, uh, you know, looking ahead to next season, do you think Roy Hodgson will still be there? Or are you, you know, as you mentioned earlier, do you think is is it a, is there a chance we'll see Frank Lampard, Eddie Howe turn up? I think there's a definite chance that he might go. I again, it's a really strange one, a bit like Ben Take, Like, do, do you stick with the, you know, the devil you know? And I think a lot of clubs have had that over the years, that they, they become established in the Premier League and then kind of finishing 12th every season, uh, isn't enough, um, and, and fans want to see. You know, I think if you'd have offered Palace twelfth playing you know, pretty average football when they came up, would have bitten your hand off. 
But now fans want to see, you know, different style of play, more expansive play, a bit more ambition. You know, can we try and win a trophy? Can we try and get into the Europa League? Um, but when you have that ambition and try and do something a bit different and maybe play more expansively, then it does you know, leave you a bit vulnerable if things go wrong or you don't get the right manager in or you don't get the right players in. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a hard one to get your head around. I mean, great, wouldn't it, to have you know, Frank Lampard just off the, the Chelsea job, you know, one of the, the, the bergening um, managerial talents. Mm. Uh, that would be very, very exciting. And if he you know, had fairly free reign to, to bring some players in. But I don't think that, you know, not got a huge budget. Mm. That's the other thing with these more ambitious managers. They're used to working with, you know, bigger transfer budget. They say they want a player, they get it. Yeah. You know, probably the same at Villa. You, you're not necessarily going to get your first or even your second or third choice players because it is a, you know, you're competing against a lot of other clubs to bring those players in. Uh, yeah, if, if Frank Lampard did come in, I, I somehow don't think he'll be able to spend 75 million quid on Kai Havertz. Um, well, exactly, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is, it's more of a managerial test as well, isn't it? Because then you have to, you know, you have to work with what you've got and you have to improve players, I think. You're not necessarily going to get a player in who is the finished product. You, you know, you have to add sort of 15, 20 million to the players when they come into the club. All Villa, no filler on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Now it's time for a new section where we ask our rival fans a spicy question. Today we ask you, Ian, about Aston Villa's wonder player, Super Jack Grealish. The Euros, they're not far away now. Um, do you think Super Jack, who's been injured for for a while but made his comeback against Everton, do you think he should be starting for England? Uh, good question. I think uh, maybe if, if you could start sort of twenty players at the at the Euros, then he, he could uh, he could be the man on the pitch. I think it's, it's tough, isn't it? England We've got so many talented youngsters, you know, like wanting that creative role in midfield. Um, I, I think he, he, I think he's probably capable of doing it. Um, whether Southgate, you know, trusts him enough, you know, to, to do it in the Euros, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Um, I just think there's so much competition, isn't there? You look at, you know, likes of Foden and Mason Mount and you know, more established players. There's, there's, there's a lot there to, to be taking on. Mm. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, so, I mean, for years, Grealish, um, at Aston Villa, we've always rated him and, you know, we've always thought he's an absolute genius of a player. Um, and he is, um, and it's good that he finally got his chance with England last year, even though Southgate seemed quite reluctant to pick him for God knows what reason. There is a lot of competition. Obviously, Phil Foden's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Mason Mount, Champions League final, you know, he's been playing really well. Um, then you've got the likes of Rashford, Sterling, Mason Green was playing really well. Um, but I still think, personally, I'll start Grealish. Or if you don't start him, at least he's, he's an intrinsic part of the team in that, you know, if he comes on in, say, the 70th minute, England likes to play quite fast-paced football. And quite often at tournaments, England look quite sluggish against the likes of, you know, possession-based teams, you know, later in the tournament, um, maybe as the energy starts to run out. So if they go 65 minutes full pace, you know, fast, 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 and then Grealish comes on, suddenly gives the opposition a completely different thing to think about. Um, he'll retain the ball, he'll win them fouls, cross the, into the area, and there's Harry Kane. Harry Maguire, whoever heading it in, um, his genius creativity. It just, 
he's an incredible option for England to have, I think. Um, a very unpredictable option. Um, but I, I, I was kind of, for a long time, I sort of thought a lot of people would doubt a Grealish a little bit. And every interview I've done on this rivalry so far, everybody so far has said they would start Grealish, which has come as a real surprise to me. Um, a nice surprise as a Villa fan. But so um, that's just because really, they 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 want to get asked back on, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're on other podcasts. Get a drop him. Don't don't have a mid squad. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you'll be covering the Euros uh, as your role as a sports journalist. Um, what are you most looking forward to with the Euros? Uh, is there any team you're looking forward to seeing? And do you think England can win it? I think England can definitely win it. Um, virtually a home tournament. With some fans towards the end as well, or from the start, but more and more fans towards the end. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've got a great chance. I think what I'm really looking forward to is just you know, a bit of a normal football summer. We've had you know, so much kind of upheaval with with uh, COVID. It would just be nice to, you know, I always associate tournament football with with long kind of summer evenings. You know, you, you start watching the game eight o'clock and it's still light. And then, you know, there's a bit of heat in the air as well. So that. That would be great. Um, I don't think I've ever seen an England squad with so many young, talented players in there. It's, a, it's an incredible production line at the moment. I do worry a little bit about them um, defensively and whether it may still be a tournament too soon. I know people say that about the World Cup in Russia mm-hmm. and probably delaying the Euros by a year has, has played into to England's hands. Mm-hmm. They've got a great chance, haven't they? I mean, there's, there is so much talent there. Almost too much talent, really. I mean, you know, try and get all these uh, pegs into into different holes. Yeah. Um, and the, I think you know, obviously Southgate, having had that experience at the at the World Cup in Russia, to be able to then move on to the Euros is good as well. Because so often I think with England managers, if they've you know won big tournament uh, and then they've lost their job, you know, either moved on or there's been some kind of scandal. So it's good that that Southgate has stayed on um, and looks like he's. You know, got the experience and is building something there. So yeah, I think they're, they're, they're well, obviously amongst the favourites. And ironically, actually, they're they're always amongst the favourites, aren't they? But I think this time they've they've got a genuine chance. Mm. Um, but there's going to be this tournament football, isn't it? Germany will will be strong. Uh, France have got again a, a, a team of, of talent really, and coming to it as World Cup champions, so they're going to be a big threat. Um, yeah. It's um, as you say. I, I think I look across Europe, and I think um, that it like it's not a vintage um, strength European um, or Euros. Sorry, in the sense, Germany have just lost six 0 to Spain, um, but Spain at the same time don't look like their classic sort of Iniesta era selves. They, I think, the teams that England should probably be concerned about mostly would probably be Belgium. And France, um, Belgium looked like a team maybe slightly more all-rounded than England. Um, but when they had the edge in, they had the edge in um, in Russia as well, didn't they? Mm. So that, I think that, that might be a little bit of a mental block just to get over. If England do face Belgium, there's been a couple of losses recently, quite bad ones. So that might just be one to uh, look out for, I, I reckon. So that's it. It's unanimous. We have decided Jack Grealish should go to the Euros. If you have an opinion on that, you can get in touch with us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com or you can contact us through Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. 
So Ian, before we wrap up, I've got to ask you, what is your prediction for the Crystal Palace-Aston Villa match? Uh, with my Crystal Palace scarf on, I'll go for a, a, a 2-0 home win. But I think realistically, I don't really fancy our chances, to be honest, Frankie. Um, don't, don't score enough goals, a bit leaky at the back. And the history, certainly last season, of, of once, um, you know, once we've secured our top flight status, we tend to switch off a little bit as witnessed by our you know, fairly abject 3-1 defeat at Southampton uh, earlier this week. So um, I think if I was betting on it, I'd, I'd go for a, a, a 2-1 win for the Villa. Okay. As I say, our record at Sohurst Park isn't great. With Super Jack back, I'm going to say that he probably doesn't start again on Sunday. He's still gently put back into the team. But I'm going to say he makes a difference and we just about edge it. We're away from home. Our form's a, a bit better than we are at home. The fact that Sohurst Park does worry me uh, a little bit, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm just going to say I think we edge it. I think Ollie Watkins might be the difference. I was looking back, actually. I was trying to find some um, sort of classic Palace Villa games that we could mm. talk about, but there, there wasn't too many that, that really sprang to mind. I think I, w- I went to... I, it was about 2005, I think Palace beat Villa 2-0 in, in January. Mm. I did go to that, and there was a fairly feisty FA Cup tie uh, I think the week actually when Palace, um, when all our financial problems began, um, well, the latest round of them, um, that was 10 years ago probably, Warnock was in charge and we drew 2-2. And Villa got a, a very late equaliser and then uh, knocked us out in the, in the yeah, replays. Yeah, I do remember that. How long was that? It must have been about 10, yeah, 10 years ago, as you say. That it was, was Valentine's Day. Right, yeah. I remember abandoning my, my wife and going off to the, the football, which... <laughs> Probably didn't go down too well, but um, <laughs> Villa ruining Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, it's happened to me before. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, this season as well. I mean, the Villa Crystal Palace game, it was on BBC, it was Boxing Day. It was Mings, probably Mings's worst game this season. I mean, I, I love Mings, but he, that was not his finest hour. Got sent off for, you know, colliding with uh, Zaha in the first half. But we went down to 10 men and we somehow won 3 0. Um, yeah. Very strange performance from Palace that was. Well, yeah, like being the story of our season, really, that, that in a lot of games, just a, a lack of competitive edge, really. But we've, we've done enough. I think Hodgson, for the last three or four seasons, actually, we, we've always beaten the, the teams that have gone down. Mm-hmm. And we've done the same this season. We beat West Brom home and away. Uh, I think Fulham we took four points from, and Sheffield United we beat home and away as well. Mm-hmm. So immediately there, there's, what's that, uh, 16 points, so... You, know, you, you do that against the, the relegated teams and you're halfway to, to safety, really. Mm. Um, and it means they don't take points from you. So that's, that's almost been the kind of the, the, the game plan for the last three or four seasons. Yep. Um, but I'm, I've been surprised this season about how many goals we've conceded. Like, yeah. We've got a, a very experienced back line, but we've been hammered a few times. And it seems like once, once a team goes ahead against us, it's, you know, it, it, it can turn a little bit nasty. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire, and thank you very much for joining us, Ian. No problem. Thank you, Frankie. Nice to be on. And it's goodbye from me. I'll be back with George and Roisin later this week to talk all things Villa. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. Aston Villa.